New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Show. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradfoe Show, sponsored as always by our good friends at Gould's Distinctive Clothing, the people who make me look so darn good, and Hub New England Insurance. We are honored today to have on the person who, the only person I've ever co-authored a book with, and that's Mike Lowell. Hello, Mike. How are you, Rob? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we were texting back and forth last night about all the, all the royalty checks that keep flooding into our mailbox uh, so um, as long as we have that going for us, everything else is fine. Everything is great. I, I think mine are getting lost in the mail, though. They, they're not really coming in as much as, you know, the blockbuster thing we had hoped. But, well, this uh, is kind of like David Hasselhoff being big in Germany. It's, it's a delayed reaction. Once I got you. I, in Japan, I heard it's really, it's really gaining some steam right now. It really is. And wait till, we hit it, wait till Deep Drive hits it big in Holland. Um, <laughs> But uh, I also want to make note, last year, I'll never forget this, because Mike Redman is no secret. Mike Redman told me that he had asked you to be the bench coach originally for the Marlins, and, and you, you, know, you had other things going on. You're living quite a life, uh, a great life in retirement. But I remember they were going through this epic losing streak early on in the, in the season, and right in the middle of it, you tweeted out a picture of yourself on a paddleboard in Bora Bora. <laughs> so, so clearly you have made correct decisions over the last couple of years. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was, I, uh, I would love to see myself later on, you know, a few years down the road when my kids are a little older and they probably don't want that around or don't want anything to do with that. I really enjoy being on the field. It's just at that time in my life, um, you know, 
what I think gets lost in the shuffle is the amount of time coaches really put in, you know, and there are a lot of behind-the-scenes guys with videographers and, you know, the training staff and all that, and, and it's a lot of time, you know. It's not only spring training, but you've got to get ready before spring training, and that's the part that just I, I just wasn't ready to give, and then, you know, yeah, I, I took some really cool vacations, and uh, I didn't really ever put it in that way, but I'm sure Red maybe didn't uh, appreciate <laughs> that he's going through a losing streak and I'm on vacation, but... Uh, I, yeah, I'd rather have been on vacation than on a losing streak. But, you know, uh, I root for him. You know, he's one of my best friends in baseball. And, you know, it does seem like he's doing some good things in Miami with that team. You know, they're so young, but I do think he's the right guy for that job. Well, let's get right into that. And it's one of the things, we'll talk about a few different things, but one of the things I want to talk to you about is is Mike's team, Mike Redmond's team, and you're da- still down in southern Florida, and you talk to Mike a lot. Um there's a couple things or a couple players down there that are of particular interest to people or up here. One, if you bring his name up on the radio or you talk about him or write about him, it's automatic attention grabbing, which is Giancarlo Stanton. And I'm interested to get your take on how good this guy is, how good he can be, and do you think – now, this isn't understandable Mike Redmond telling you this, but do you think that the Marlins would ever trade him? I think the Marlins are always listening. You know, I think, you know, when you're in a position where money is an issue, if someone's willing to break the bank talent-wise and take what is going to be a huge contract down the road, uh, because I don't, I think Stanton has, I've heard him say a couple times that he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal until he knows what direction the team is going. And historically, no one knows what direction the team's going, you know, that team is going. So uh, I think you either have to overpay him to lock him in or if you go year to year with the numbers he's capable of putting up, his arbitration numbers are going to be through the roof. So do I think they'd trade him? Yeah, I think they'd listen to things. Do I think you have to basically give your four best prospects and, major, and maybe a major league ready guy? Yeah, it's, it's probably going to take something like that. But I've never seen – I was in spring training with the Marlins about four days last year, and just in soft toss, I've never seen the sound of the ball – you know, crack off the bat like that. And I'm talking, I've seen Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Alex Rodriguez and those guys take batting practice. And, I mean, he, like his first round is, you know, a lot of guys like to go the other way. Well, his first round on the field is going another way, no stride. So it's almost a defensive swing. And he's peppering the ball in right center. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could, I, I wish I knew what the bat felt like in his hand <laughs> for about two at-bats. I want to know what it feels like. I mean, he's a physical beast. He's a guy who... You know, he's hitting a ton of home runs this year, and that park in, in Miami is big. I mean, it plays big, and it is big, and he makes it look small. He's the only guy that I think makes that park look small. The, so when you talk about, and I don't disagree with you, you're talking about a bunch of top prospects and major, maybe a major league-ready player. There's not a lot of guys in baseball who you're willing to do that with, especially this day and age of keeping contracts under control. But from what you've seen of him, and obviously you like him, but from what you've seen of him, is that guy that you would say, that's the guy we're going to get, that's the guy that we're going to unload our farm system for and and basically build around for the next 10 years? I mean, I think he's one of those guys. Uh, his big thing is his age. I mean, he's a baby. I think he's, what, 23, 24, with uh, 100-plus home runs already in the big league. So, you know, there are a lot of good years left uh, in the tank. The, the only thing that I think he has to make adjustments a little bit is we know the powers there. He's you know with his eyes closed, he's thirty plus home runs. But does he give you? Is he going to give you the consistent at bat? And he's done a really good job this year doing that. 
in the handful of games I've seen the Marlins play. Um, you know, they've done a big shift, and you see him make a conscious effort. He's got a lot of base hits to right field, and I think that's why you see his average, you know, around 300. And, you know, he's going to have a high on-base percentage because whenever there's a, you know, situation, you know, runner on third, less than two outs, they're going to walk him. So, you know, that presence is huge. Um, and, yeah, I think when you, you're in your third year, in your fourth year, in your fifth year, you learn and make your adjustments and you get better and better. And does he have the potential to be that guy? Yeah, especially power and, uh, you know, production is there. You know, is the consistent at bat year, you know, day after day, year after year going to be there? And I think I, I would tend to say yes because he's 23, 24, and he's still learning. Your best guess two years from now, is he playing for the Marlins or another team? Two years? No, he's not on the Marlins. Okay. Another guy that the of interest of people are up here is Jared Saltalamacchia, who went down the Marlins and is having a pretty good year to date. Um, from what you've watched, from talking to Mike Redman, what's your impression of what he's done down there so far? I think he's really happy with what uh, Salty's done. I mean, not only offensively, he's swinging the bat pretty well, but I think they needed that uh, that veteran presence for a young staff. You know, they had a prospect, uh, Rob Brantley there and Jeff Mathis, and I think Mathis is very good. But, you know, Jeff Mathis is, you know, he's your backup. He's your David Ross type guy. That everyday guy that, you know, goes from, I mean, I know Fernandez got hurt, which I think is a huge blow to the Marlins, mm-hmm. but that goes from a guy like Fernandez to Henderson Alvarez to, you know, Turner and Evaldi and those guys. They're all young. You know, they need someone who knows the ropes and, you know, has been in, you know, he's, I know he played for the Braves for a little bit, but, you know, he with interleague and how the schedules are now, catchers nowadays that have six, seven years of business have seen all, every single hitter. And with the scouting reports we have, um, they can relate a real good game plan based on experience, not just based on what you see on paper. And I think that plays a huge part in helping out a young staff. Well, kind of morphing from the Marlins to the Red Sox. Let's do that. I like that. You don't like talking about the Marlins? I do, I do. But, I mean, aren't, isn't this, you know, WEI? Yeah, I'm, I mean, telling so. you, I'm telling you what, Mike. You talk about Giancarlo Stanton up here. You could talk about that all day long. All really? day, people. A lot of hype, huh? A lot, oh, of, a lot of, oh well, you a lot know. of speculation. A lot of speculation. You know, it's like this. This trade, uh, this trade, Mike Carp, David Ross, and and you know, and Felix DeBron for Giancarlo Stanton, and the Marlins will take it. It's, yeah, I mean, no, no offense to those three no, guys. No, it's, no, it's going to take a little more. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, one of the things that kind of interests me going through April and then and really May was how the Red Sox reacted to winning the World Series. They go, so they come into spring training, and they're we're turning the page, we're turning the page, we're turning the page. They pretty much have a very similar team than they did last year. They get to April, and it's not the same. It's, it's, it's just a different dynamic. They're working through some things. I'm interested, from your perspective, what it was like in 2008 after winning that World Series, after winning the World Series MVP in 2007, which you can read all about if you go to order the book on <laughs> Amazon.com. Uh, but how, how, what do you remember about those first couple months in 2008? Well, I remember the first couple weeks uh, very well, and it was the Japan trip, which I, I, I don't think is the right way to start a no. season. You know, uh, shortening, you know, your offseason is shortened by getting to the World Series and winning it, and every team and player. But if you add to that fact that you shorten spring training uh, because your season started a couple weeks early, that's, that's, a li- that's tough. So that was that was part one on our end that was uh, a little bit tough and you know I think the other glaring thing is that Shill was hurt you know and and we didn't have that Beckett Schilling one two punch 
um, knowing that we had two top of the rotation guys. And basically in the back burner, we still had, you know, John Lester, who, you know, we knew was going to be good, but wasn't John Lester that we know now just yet. And, but you round out that rotation with, you know, a Lester, Buckholz, and with Schill as the two and, and, and Beckett as the one. And we felt really good. So I think Shill not pitching was a, was a big blow to us. And on top of that, um, you're, you have a bullseye on your back. You know, that's who everyone's gunning for, and that's um, what every team wants to see, how they match up against the defending world champ. Could you notice that right out of the gate? I'm not, I'm not even talking about Japan, but you get into April and May, and you, can you notice that right out of the gate that teams are approaching you differently? Yeah, I mean, you can you can sense that they get geared up. You know, they get geared up to play the good teams. And um, I'm not sure. I don't know how you can quantify and say, "Oh, look, they're stretching much better," or they're. But when you want to measure up against what they what the league considers the best, uh, maybe there's a little more video work. Maybe there's a little extra hitting. Maybe there's uh, you know something that it, it gets your juices flowing, and you want to see. You want to see your team be able to match up against that team, and I, I do think there's a little extra that goes into it. You know, I think it was Alex Cora swung through town a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this. I think he's the one who said that Tito had basically said, hey, you know what, let's just get to the end of April, around 500, and then go from there. Um, do you remember that? Do you remember that feeling of this just weather the storm? Because another thing which I think you guys went through and this team went through was the pomp and circumstance in April and all these galas. And like, In your case, it was Japan. But you remember just thinking, let's get into the season and we'll figure it out? Well, I, and I think in Boston, especially the weather plays a factor. I like, uh, you know, we're all, I think the end of April kind of things start warming up a lot and a lot of pitchers don't mind pitching in the cold, but the hitters really don't like it. I mean, position players, the defense is hard, and I look forward to kind of this time, mid-May, where it gets nice and warm, the ball starts carrying. You don't feel like, you know, you're catching a piece of ice and having to throw that over to first because, you know, because of the weather, the ball isn't, you know, rubbed up. And, you know, just those little factors where, you know, you feel like you're the boys of summer, so things should be hot and things should be uh, – you know, smooth, but um, the good thing about where the Red Sox stand now is I think they feel like they haven't hit their stride yet, and no one in the division really has taken off. Mm-hmm. So they're they're a good week away from being right at the top again. So I, I think under those circumstances, you got to be happy about where the team is. And, you know, when you look at certain guys, um, I think the loss of Jacoby's big because nothing against Jackie Bradley, but those are big shoes to fill, and it's unfair to ask Jackie Bradley to beat Jacoby right now. You know, I don't, I don't think that's an expectation that's fair for him. Um, you know, Daniel Nava had a real, real solid year last year, and he's off to you know a real rough start. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are two positions that are, that are glaring on the pitching side. You know, you see the start that Buck had last year, and it was you know Cy Young type stuff, and he's scuffling a bit. So. You know, there's you know a couple guys that are going to hopefully turn their seasons around, and they could be big, big producers because the talent's there. I mean, this is a playoff caliber team and a team that can definitely make a run in the postseason. And you never know, you know, uh, a repeat. I don't think is is out of the question. But um, sure, you know, these first I don't know how many games, forty plus games that have been played so far. Yeah, I mean, you'll see things are nice and things tend to even out when the summer months start kicking in, and I think the Red Sox will be will be fine. They'll be right in the thick of things. Well, another huge topic of conversation around here is the integration of these young players. You mentioned Bradley, Bogarts, uh, to a certain extent, Middlebrooks, and 
you were here when they they brought in a few players every year. But in this case, it's they're relying maybe he- more heavy on these young players, and I can remember relying having to ri- rely on young players. What do you remember about bringing a young player up in Boston, how important it is to have that sort of support system, not only in terms of production, but in terms of clubhouse? And I think I remember one time you said to me, said, if a guy is being called up, one thing that we make, make clear, the expectation is that you're up here to help us. You know, you're not up here just to carry our candy out to the bullpen. So what do you remember about that? Well, um, I think with the, with the offense that was there when I was there, basically, you know, the 06 through 2010, you still had the big dogs. You know, you still had David and you still had Manny, and there was a good supporting cast in guys like J.D., myself, Tech, you know, that could, you know, when a young guy came in, you know, especially for me, what what glares out for me were Pedroia and Ellsbury. Mm-hmm. And when they first came up, they weren't asked to hit one, two. You know, they were hitting eight and nine, which I think – you know, lessens the pressure of having to produce. And then when they got into their comfort zone, you know, as we know, Dustin was a week away from being demoted, and then he caught fire. And then, you know, in the last four months, he's, you know, one of the best players in the game and wins the rookie of the year. So, you know, with that time, we, it allowed us to see how good he is, and then he ended up being at the top of the lineup. You know, Jacoby, when he came in, you know, basically he, he caught so much fire that it was, you know, him or Coco Chris, it was, you know, two good options. And, uh, you know, when the playoffs started, it was just, you know, Jacoby brings a speed factor that was so electric that mm-hmm. you just couldn't ignore it. But uh, you still didn't ask him to hit leadoff. You know, you still had him at the bottom of the lineup, and I, and I think that's a big factor. You know, you look at the young guys now, um, you know, they're asking a lot of Jackie Bradley. You know, they are. And, you know, uh, when you look at Middlebrooks and you look at his numbers, he's going into kind of his third full season and you you want to see that power and that development really take off because you know he's he's gone through the league a few times and you know as a corner infielder the numbers got to get a little bit better mm-hmm. you know 197 is just not going to cut it um but the ability's there so um the one i really like is Bogarts you know we were talking about him a little earlier and i got to see him a lot in the world series where you see one game after another and it's the maturity you know, and I, and I think he's a guy that, you know, he, the power is going to come, and he plays a premium position. He plays it with a lot of confidence, and that's the guy that I think, you know, really could, you know, put up solid numbers year after year. He looks like the one that makes the adjustments day to day and, and has that even keel that, you know, that you need really playing in a big market, especially in Boston. Well, you have a unique perspective on on young shortstops because you came up in the Yankees organization the same time really Derek Jeter was integrating into the major leagues. And we're not comparing Jeter to Bogarts, but what do you remember seeing about Jeter, good and bad, in those early stages? Because that's what we're seeing with Bogarts, both good and bad. Well, you know, when I saw Jeter, when I got called up in 98, there wasn't a lot of bad. (laughs) You know, I can't really remember uh, saying, oh, he does not do this well. With Bogarts, I think the difference between the two is I think Jeter, his speed is a, is a much bigger factor in his game. Now, I think Bogarts, uh, physically, I think down the road, he's going to translate into being more of a power guy. Um, but, you know, the speed factor with Jeter is I think it helps w- with the stolen bases, you know, how high he would hit for average. But what I do see in Bogarts that, that Jeter, you know, had and still has 
is it's that confidence in, in his ability to play a position that is not easy. You know, shortstop in a major market means you're involved in a ton of plays. And he goes about it with, I don't know, it's, it's, it's from at least the TV standpoint and what I hear, you know, talking from a couple guys is it's this cool, quiet confidence, you know. And you don't see that a lot in guys that are, you know, what, 20, 21, right, 21 in the yeah. big leagues. So, you know, I think you have to be very impressed with what he brings to the table and really what he can bring the next, you know, looking down the road, four, five, ten years. I mean, you could really have a solid staple to, you know, an infield position where I think the Red Sox, we've, you know, the Red Sox has kind of been searching for who's going to be that shortstop that's going to play, you know, four or five years. You know, I don't think, you know, we've had that in Boston really, what, since Nomar? Right. You know, there hasn't really been a guy that has put together four or five years in a Red Sox uniform at shortstop. I mean, guy was signed to do it for four years, but it didn't really work out. Who's that, Renteria? Well, well Lugo. Renteria and Lugo. Lugo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, Lugo was going to be the guy. Or actually, yeah, I think it was a three-year deal. But uh, speaking of acquisitions, I'm going to ask you, you do work for MLB Network, and, and when's your next time you're going to be on? Uh, first week of June. First week of June, perfect. Yeah, shortly. That lines right up. With uh, I don't know what it lines right up with. I think I think <laughs> it, it lines line, up with the first week of June. First week of June. I, I was I'm, I'm 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 basing everything around. I'm I'm doing these. I'm filling in Dave O'Brien um, doing Joe Castiglione the radio broadcast. So I read everything June the entirety of June of when I do those broadcasts. So I think your appearance lines up with my appearance. So congratulations. Well, Syn- well, synergy. Likewise. Likewise. Synergy. Thanks, um, <laughs> but but when when the MLB network, when you go on there, and I, I said to you, and you don't have to answer this, you are the best guy on that entire network. Um, but when you go on there and you're talking about all different things, here's one question that you could potentially talk about, which is what would you pay John Lester right now? What would you pay John Lester uh, if you're the Red Sox and and his agent is actually your agent? I guess they're still your agent, right? I, I yeah, I, I yeah. The I, mean, I never fired them. No, the eleven retired. Yeah, yeah. So friends, friends of the program. Absolutely. And, yes. and so, um, so uh, the Levinsons say, and the Red Sox agree. Okay, let's start conversation. What would what if you're the Red Sox? What offer do you make? And legitimate offer, not this the shenanigan of an offer that they did earlier in the year. Okay, let's break it down. How old is John Lester right now? John Lester is 30 years old. He'll be 31 next year. Okay, so he pitches this year at 30. Um, I think minimum for Lester, and he's a free agent after this year? Free agent after this year. Okay, I think minimum it has to be six years. That's term. I mean, if if it's going to work. I think it has to be six, six years, years at what, like in the twenties, twenties yeah, per. Yeah, he's at that point. But yeah. here, here's the thing: is that um, so? I, I, I haven't I, broke down what other guys uh, have been making, but I, I'm looking at you know guys where he is clearly much better. He's much better than Ubaldo Jimenez, right? You know, he's much better, than, and these guys are making fourteen, fifteen. Right. So you can take those numbers and just throw them away like we're way above that where would you rate so here everyone classifies the free agents to be the pitchers scherzer lester and then you have a drop down a little bit i think uh shields will be a guy but how how important is a guy like lester and, and i i would imagine you think he's very important because you're going to offer him six years at per, potentially 20 million dollars per year but you've played with him you've watched him how important is having that guy who you know has can do what he's already done going forward, even if it's for the next 
three or four years, even though the contract's six? I mean, it's it's huge because you have to have that feeling where every fifth day there's that one guy, no matter who the other team's on the mound throwing or who the nine guys in the lineup that he's going to be facing, you have a chance for him to beat him. And it's easy to say that, oh, we think we have a chance, but to really have a chance, you know, you need that guy that can just shut down a big offense. And I think what helps uh, John out is he's done it in the postseason. Mm-hmm. He's done it really well. And that, for me, that's an extra added oomph because I don't think the Red Sox are signing him to see, hey, hopefully he does well during the season. No, the Red Sox are signing him to be our ace, and we look to go to the postseason every year. Like, that's the mentality of the team. I'm just saying I think it takes six years right now because minimum because that's the market right well yeah but if he becomes a free agent now 29 other teams are going to be you know fielding offers and someone's going to pass six years Mm -hmm. so uh, i i mean you look at yeah i think scherzer's a little bit above john right now just because of the year he put last year and how he's starting this year um but i mean does Verlander dominate that much more than Lester right now? Not right now. We were he just ta- we were just talking yeah, about this on the radio. I mean, Scherzer's Scherzer's the best pitcher on that staff right now. Correct, correct. You know, I mean, look at the guy like Annabelle Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Lester's a little bit better than Annabelle Sanchez, and his money was crazy too. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. What, do you, what deal do you look at? I think Felix is a little. Felix is a little high because of his age. Well, the the problem know. the problem that Felix presents and really Sabathia presents is, is against going against the Lester contract because a lot of people in baseball think Felix's stuff is starting to back up a little bit, even though he's still pretty young. And we saw what happened with Sabathia. So you're right. I mean, the market will bear out six years, but you know how wary should they be about? Getting when you get into that because of pitcher, every pitcher is going to wear down. But knowing what you know about John Lester, is he a guy that you would say will willing to take that chance? Yes, I, yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, you look at him physically; he's not, you know, he's not built like let's see, who like a Roy Oswald, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, he's a guy who's throwing ninety five. But physically, you were like, wow, how does that body throw ninety five? And sooner or later, it's just too much. I mean, Lester's six four; he's he's a monster. Right. You know what I mean? He's 240 pounds in shape. So if there's a guy that can do it, it's it's those it's those guys that are built that way. You know, it's it's the Lesters, it's guys that are built like you know AJ Burnett. It's it's the big guys. Well, Cliff so, Lee, Cliff Lee comes to mind, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think, and I think John's bigger than Cliff Lee. Yep. You know, physically, like he's he's a bigger guy, and um, I don't think Lester's a guy that you know he's never really been 98, 97. So it's not like. He's kind of been himself, stuff-wise, for now, what are we looking at, seven years? Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, Mike, that the other day or a couple weeks ago, I asked, what makes John Laster so good? And early on, I think his velocity was around 96. Now it's not on, on a regular basis. But everybody to a person said it's his ability to pitch to both sides of the plate, which is when you even played with him probably wasn't nearly as good as it is right now. No, and that's what's impressive, and I think... You know, he's got the cutter where you can really make that inside pitch to righties. You can almost, it seems like you can expand the the plate, but he's been able to, like you say, hit both sides. And, you know, when you look at guys that were able to do that really well, it's kind of like, I mean, he's not a Maddox-type pitcher, but that's how Maddox got people out because it was using way outside, and then when a guy's diving outside, he can he has something to bury him in. And a lefty that can do that, you can neutralize big left-handed bats. And when you have that cutter and that velocity, 
that you know righties don't look forward to guys with real good cutters that throw hard from the left side you know so all those factors i think play into his favor and i i i don't think the red sox should wait four more months no. you know i think that that would be scary because you know when you, when you hit free agency someone's going to overpay you know someone's going to overpay and whether johnny takes it or not i mean that's his decision i have no idea but Right now, the only team that can negotiate with them are the Red Sox, and I think they they need to use that leverage. What do you get playing for the rest of the day? What's on the so, Mike Lowell docket? Well, I worked out already today, Ooh. so that's good. How's the hip? Um, the hip is great, Rob. Is I, mean, I had my second surgery, so I had I have like a titanium cap on it. But uh, you know, I've been able to you know work out. I'm playing some tennis. I do some CrossFit. Uh, it's been it's been really enjoyable. I mean, I, I struggled a little bit for a good two years, and I was just a little a little down in the dumps, thinking that at 37 I was going to be limping for the rest of my life. So that part has been great, you know. Uh, but um, I got a lot of house stuff going on. Really? You know, I feel like um I feel like I did less, you know, busy work while I was playing because I had a good tunnel vision. But no, you know the. The basketball playoffs are going on, and you know, baseball games going on, and life's good at about seven oh five. What? Uh, now you have the house also in. I always get it mixed up. Bermuda, Bahamas, uh, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you. Yeah, you were almost singing <laughs> there. Uh, it's in Bimini. Yes, it's Bimini. great in the Bahamas. Yeah. Okay. How often do you get there? Uh, not as often as I'd like, but uh, often enough. The summer we use it. We use it a good amount. Uh, it's just, you know, kids got a lot of stuff, man. Everything now yeah. is year-round. You know, my kid's in, he's nine, he's playing baseball. My daughter was doing some travel volleyball, and uh, it's like every weekend there's something, and practices are three, four days a week, and I don't remember doing that at nine. But i got to be honest, when you go to Little League practice and you say, you know, I'm just not able to get to my house in Bimini, you know, I think that has a lot of street cred to it, even if you go there or not. <laughs> Oh man, I, 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 there are no complaints coming from me. I actually enjoy it. You know, the, seeing the kids, I, I, I enjoy the development. That's why when we talked about being, you know, with Mike Redman and the bench coach, I enjoy like being with minor league guys and guys on the field because there's nothing better than seeing a good progression when guys see it, make adjustments, and then their talents take over. That's something that's really cool to me. Well, last question is, and everyone wants to know this: Where are you going to wear? You're at Bradfoe shirt because uh, obviously oh. you get one for coming on the. the well, the it Bradfoe depends. Shirt. Is it cotton or is it dry fit? It's uh Or a tweener? Is it a hybrid? I think it's cotton and it's 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 European cut. Oh, well, so I, I might need a double XL. It's European. Yeah, cut. well, that's you know it, it presented some problems when they came <laughs> in, but uh, but you know it, it, it'll make it work. So what? Okay, well, let's do this. Where do you want me to wear it? Oh, that's Where a do good you, I mean, it, it could be. It could be, you know, in Bimini. I could send you a nice piece yeah. from another country. Or it could be, you know, uh, I don't go too much further than Miami, Florida. So <laughs> those are your two choices. You know, those are your two choices. Uh, I want, I'll send two. And I, I want it. I want you and um, Mike Redmond sitting in the dugout together wearing okay. them. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll make it out there just to give him his Brad Foe show the, the, the shirt. Fu- the funny thing is, is that we have, uh, as we mentioned, one of the sponsors of the podcast, Gould's Distinctive Clothing. Jared Saltalamachia voiced part of the ad that runs on the air, which is, I don't know how Marvin and Lester did it. Rob looks like the best person here at the winter meetings. Nice. So, so um, he is part of also the at Bradfoe uh, clothing family. So um, it's, it's, it's morphing down it's to taken Southern over. Florida. It's yeah. taken over. We're at the 
southeastern United States. I can't wait. Well, you remember. Ma- maybe it'll get. Maybe it'll get to Holland like our book. <laughs> That's right. Well, you remember. You remember the the suit and tie uh, challenge. Yeah, of that whole sh- that that was not one of your better days. What we, I, we, need, what, we needed to we needed to dice you up a little. It wasn't by by saying it wasn't one of my better days. You're actually saying it wasn't one of my better years because I did the entire. Well, season. that's what I'm saying. You know, you were like really excited in April, and right around August when yeah. it's getting hot, I was struggling. Know, yeah, the ties really didn't match with no. the shirt, and but you did it. <laughs> yeah. And it was for the what, what? would you say? It's for the kids. For the kids. All it's for, for the, the kids. kids. Uh, all right, Mike. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. All the best, Rob. Thank you. Be good. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 